again. He gets the edge and he's brilliantly caught by Kawaja in the gully. Drops it at his toes and comes through for a single for the first time in the Australian summer. An Australian batsman gets the chance to kiss the bat. Head down the pitch. He drives. This could be it. He beats it off. The arm is in the air already. There's nothing quite like your first test century. The Renegades have proved that nothing is impossible. This is Test Cricket. Covering cricket across Australia and right around the globe. This is Stumps with Bryce McGain and Jordan Cornelis. International cricket goes to rest for a few weeks. So the eyes of cricket fans around Australia turns squarely on the Big Bash midway through the final series. And there are only three games left in BBL 09 and four teams remain standing. The Sixers are into the grand final while the Stars, Strikers, and Thunder will battle to meet them there. And cricket has made some feel sore this week. Australia picked apart in the under-19s Cricket World Cup and more super over cruelty for New Zealand. This is Stumps, Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain. Hello, Bryce. Good afternoon, Jordan. And, uh, well, there's been plenty of cricket going on. It's getting to the pointy end and the exciting stuff for the Big Bash. And uh, we're warming up for the women's World Cup, there's a few tri-series coming through over the next few weeks. There's a nice little build-up there, so we'll cover off a bit of that later on too. Yes, I was. Uh, I somehow slipped my mind the other day when I was thinking of what are we going to fill the show with when, once the Big Bash is finished. Sheffield Shield, surely. Is that going to fill an hour? I'm sure it can, but we'll make it stretch. And then, I, oh, of course, the Women's uh, T20 World Cup. How can I forget? So we're in for even uh, well, another month, month and a half of of uh, fantastic cricket entertainment on the way. We'll get to that later on. The Big Bash Finals, though, is the uh, the showpiece event of Australian cricket at the moment. Uh, and we are a couple of games in, only three games to go. One game coming up but very, very shortly uh, in Adelaide. The Adelaide Strikers hosting the Sydney Thunder in the, uh, the knockout match. I've got to get my head around these new names. The winner goes into the Challenger where they'll face the Melbourne Stars after a humiliating loss last night, Bryce, against the Sydney Sixers. Once again, the Stars on the stage of the Big Bash Finals crumble under the pressure, coming off the back of three losses as well. Make that four losses when you add on last night's match. This has been a this has been a, a nosedive from the, the team in green. It has indeed. That Their worst ever batting performance bowled out for 99, their lowest ever score against the, the Sydney Sixers. We'll get some insight from Jordan Silk a bit later on. We'll get him on after the break, but mm-hmm. uh, be interested to know how they went about the, um, picking apart the Stars because they, the Stars, for all intents and purposes, two-thirds of the way through the tournament, they were, they were invincible. Yeah. They were knocking off everyone. They were dominant. They had the two best batsmen going. They had a bowling attack that was beautifully balanced. Uh, and now, um, as much as Dave Hussey said, we're, we're not going to listen to all the external noise, it, they, they must be feeling pressure internally because there's certainly some doubts about the way they are performing. Some of their players look like they are, well... Not afraid of failing, but uh, they have some concerns about what they're doing. Players like Adam Zampa, he's still standing up and doing and performing exceptionally well, and he's a, a seasoned Australian veteran now in the white ball game, yeah. and he's performing really well and and loves the big stage. But there are some others there that are really underperforming at the moment, so they certainly need to pull their socks up, or it could be straight sets and they're straight out of the tournament after dominating. But all credit to the Sydney Sixers last night. Um, they, they, they look exceptional, and their bowling attack looks absolutely invincible at the moment with the likes of 
Hazelwood coming back in there, but they've got O'Keefe, Lyon, Dorsius as well, who gives a left arm option to what they do. Um, they look very, very composed, and they'll be sitting. Well, they're in the final now. They'll sit around for a week with their feet up and uh, and, and see what unfolds and who can get through the the, the, the last three challenges. Yeah, they've looked. They've had the exact opposite uh, form form line than the Melbourne Stars. They've won their last four matches. They won five in a row in the middle part of the season. Had a few wobbly results in the uh, towards that three quarter mark against yeah. the Stars and against the Thunder, plus a no result. And then the last four, including uh, last night's match, so they are in in ripping nick at the moment. Funny, yesterday at the at the G, they had uh, all of their top order batsmen, top to middle order batsmen, all got starts. No one really went on to make a big score. I think the highest score was was thirty four uh, by Josh Phillippe, uh, and uh, uh, but it was enough for them. One forty two on the MCG um, was a score that looked chaseable for the Melbourne Stars. The G hasn't offered up too many high scores of late. I think the Brisbane Heat made 180, but that was kind of an odd one out, I think, of the last few at the, at the G. Yep. Um, but the Sixers, 142, was that always going to be a, an easy target to defend for the Sixers? Oh, no, I didn't think so. I didn't think. I thought it was still, uh, you know, 15, 10, 15, maybe even 20 short of where they needed to be. The wicket looked like a good batting wicket, mm. but it was it was probably credit to the the, the, the Sixers bowlers um, in the the way they went about it and really restricted uh, the, the the Stars. But the, the Stars did exceptionally well with their bowling attack and they would have walked off yeah. pretty happy with uh, yeah. 140 to chase down at the MCG. But uh, I think they were they were our tactic. Uh, the, the, the tactics that the Sixers did, they were, the strategy just picked them apart, I think. And mm. that, that's a bit of a worry, I think, for David Hussey. They need to be able to pull that back together um, pretty quickly. Has Greg Shippard, the, the Sixers coach, has he turned his side into a a bowling team? Like, cause I, at the start of the season, they had, for me, and probably throughout the whole duration of the season, to be honest, have had the best uh, bowling lineup. When you've had Sean Abbott, despite even the fact that he was out with uh, with an injury in the yep. mid portion of the season, um, you know, you've got an array of spinners in there. Lloyd Pope did a good job in the middle part when Steve O'Keefe was injured. O'Keefe's now back in. Ben Dorsey, as you said, Tom Curran's been phenomenal. Um, they've got the goats come in, Nathan, yeah, Nathan Lyon. Lyon. So he's been well. away with test duties, and then he's come back in. And yeah. th- this is the game that Nathan Lyon started. He's often seen in, his, in the Australian environment as oh, he's a he's a red ball bowler, he's a test bowler. That's what he is. But this is where he this is where he came into stardom, I suppose. And the first time we saw him was bowling, attacking mm. off spin in T Twenty cricket for South Australia back in the time when uh, it was. Um, uh, Darren Berry, who who pulled him off the mower basically and said, yeah. oh, you, you can bowl a bit, can you? And he bowled a bit in the nets and he said, we're going to bung you in the next game, in the next T20. And uh, the rest is history. Now he's the best ever off spinner we've had in test cricket. But at yeah, T20 cricket, he's still incredibly valuable. And he and he's like having a, a an extra two fielders out there off his own bowling. So, you yeah. know, he's so good off his own own bowling. But that they really do have a, a great attack. Your, your question was... Um, yeah, are they, are they a bowl-first team? They, they have added a lot to their batting lineup, and their batting lineup looks really deep now compared to the start of the season when they've had uh, they've added um, Steve Smith and uh, Vince has come back from an injury, which he had in the middle part of the, the year. Uh, so now they bat pretty deep down to six, at least. Um, are they still a, a bowl-dominant team, though? Oh, I don't think they mind what they're doing. I think they're just so well-drilled. They execute all the time. That they have faith in each other, uh, they have they're well captained. Moses Onreeks is a terrific captain. He, he does a great job uh, in pulling the strings and the the on field leader and 
you can see that the influence that uh, the Greg Shippett has across there, but they, they all just believe in what they're doing. They're all well-educated. They, they all go and execute. They have mature players. They haven't got too many kids running around out there, and th- that's what you need that's to a big win di- these games. That's a big difference compared to a lot of the other teams. Yeah. Most it, other teams have, have young players in there. The Sydney Sixers don't. Yeah. It, it's the best thinking and the best problem-solving teams, the ones that can absorb the pressure, mm-hmm. are the ones that succeed. And they're the ones that are at the top now. The, the, the wobbly teams are the ones that have that inconsistency and they have the young players who are still working it out. And if we just look at the three teams that missed out on the Big Bash final series in the Scorchers, a number of young guys, and they're not they're – not, their inconsistent, lumpy performance. Yep. Uh, they found themselves out. The heat, that staggers me where they've got to. But they just have non-thinking players. And yeah, some they, of that's they've, actually, they've actually got an experienced team, but they none of them, they were all heroes. Yeah, they just didn't think their way through many, many games that they should have won. And uh, and somewhat that's that's led at the top by Chris Lynn, who mm-hmm. who has attacked, got ahead of the, the, the run rate. They're in charge of the game. And then... He just finds a way to hit it straight to a fielder in the outfield rather than just, oh, well, now I just can rein it back now and just cruise my way through and make sure I'm there to do the victory. And the Renegades, well, they had a season to forget. They only had three wins and that all came late. Uh, So they really wobbled their way through. They they had all sorts of issues with internationals. They would have been better off playing some locals, I would have thought, than some of their internationals. They they, they really just made some bad choices. And uh, uh, Michael Klinger, good experience for him uh, in his first year as a a big bash coach. But um, lots of learnings to be done out of that. They've gone from the top. Um, to the bottom. Quick assessment then of the of the teams uh, who didn't make the finals uh, compared to those who did. Is the finals the final five? Is it sort of what you imagined throughout the throughout the course of the season, or are there one or two teams who who sneaked into your surprise? Well, the the two teams that I, I knew would be there right at the very start, the Stars and the Sixers, they did the job. They finished one and two, no question there. And what I figured, the rest of the competition would just fall over each other. And that's what's kind of happened. It's been inconsistent, lumpy performance, a good day, a bad day, wasn't our day today. And all those, um, and they've just sort of beaten each other, the rest of the team. So yeah. I, I don't think, um, look. The, the, mate, the Hurricanes surprised me and they only put it together because they got their best team on the park at the very end. Yeah. When Matthew Wade came back from the tests, then when Darcy Short came back from the from the one-day series in India, uh, and they were able to put it all in the park, and they were, as you said, lumpy is a good word. They definitely had a couple of lumpy players like Caleb Jewell in their team. They were able to put their best team on the park, got their top-order batsmen into good form, uh, and that's seen them put some big big scores on the board, lots of runs. That's yep. pretty much, for me, what's put the Hobart Hurricanes in the finals. Yeah, and it's probably been difficult for George Bailey as well. He, he's he's been a, you know, time has probably... Past and mm-hmm. uh, it was a good farewell. It was nice to see him yep. continue playing, but they just didn't have the depth in their squad. And that, yep. when their stars were away, their big top end players were away. That, that they suffered, and uh, that's where their performance. But they only won six of the. the, the they won six games. So mm. you know, six they lost eight. Same with the Thunder. They won six games, lost eight, or lost seven, and and had a had a tie as well, and no result. Which those no results actually helped. Both the Hobart Hurricanes and the Sydney Thunder. They did indeed. Hypothetically, if they'd lost those games, then the Scorchers would have been in because they were only one point out. That's right. Yeah. So look, it did come down to the wire, but there's two standout teams. The Strikers are there and thereabouts. They're, if they can pull it together, it's just a one-two-three from now. They they need to 
put past what they have happened in the past and and, and they've had some incredibly highs and incredibly low performances yeah. some really disappointing performances but all they all they need to focus on now and that's all that um uh, their, their coach uh, Dizzy would be doing um, Gillespie you'd be just working on okay it's just this game one two three and we're finalists and we win it so mm. let's let's focus into what we need to do right today and th- it's just three simple steps you'd, you'd try and keep it as simple as that but look I it, it'd be nice to see um, I, I think the Stars and the Sixers are in the final um, we'll wait and see how it is but tonight's game um, which is the Thunder and the Strikers yeah. um, that they, they played last year so they played the last time they played was last year. That was the New Year's Eve mm-hmm. game where the Thunder came out on top. Um, they won that one, and the match before that was in Canberra where they had the no results. So the Thunder were going on to win that as well. Correct. Yeah. Um, with the bushfire smoke that came in, um, that was early in the tournament. So it seems like about two seasons ago, but uh, <laughs> it was just. I think that was like the fourth game of the tournament. Yeah, match six it was in actual yeah, fact. You but you're yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> so it was really early on. So the no results. So th- in terms of form lines, they've all gone through so much now. So it's hard to read anything into it. They both go in with a, a, a clean slate. And uh, I think maybe the Thunder's top order batting yeah. might get them through. The strikers' top order batting has been better, though. If you combine what we saw the other night in the first game in the uh, the Eliminator between the Thunder and the Hobart Hurricanes, um, uh, and combine that with what we saw at the back end of the season as well with the Thunder and their bowling, I thought their bowling was really ordinary. Gave up too many cheap runs. A lot of extras as well. They tightened up a lot against the uh, the Hurricanes. Yep. Their spin bowling was phenomenal. John O'Cook t- taking four wickets. Yes. Um, Daniel Sam's another two. He picked up two cheap wickets, albeit very late. Leading wicket taker of the competition. Breaking a record as well. Yes. 25 for the season. Well done to him. Breaking Kane Richardson's record from last season. Combining all that together, how do the Thunder then match up against the Strikers? Well, I... They probably just edge ahead for me if I was if I was putting a book just a bit ahead of where the the, the strikers are. Uh, you mentioned all the, the the top order. You know the, the, they're all capable bats, I suppose. And, and yeah, it, again, it just comes down to it's it's do or die. It's it's an elimination final. Um, it's how players handle the pressure. And we're seeing teams, even experienced teams like the Stars last night, some players really feel the pressure of the moment. So it's how they do that. For me, I think the Thunder just edge out the strikers, which is not easy for me to say, being an Adelaide Strikers player, yeah. former player. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think the Thunder are just a, a wee bit ahead. Excellent. All right. Big bash. Only three games left for the season. One coming up tonight, the Strikers and the Thunder. The winner plays the Melbourne Stars next Thursday in the Challenger match. Winner of that game will then take on the Sydney Sixers in the final at the SCG in a week from now. Speaking of the Sixers. Jordan Silk is on the way next. We'll have a chat to him after the Sixers trumped the Stars last night at the MCG. That's coming up next on Stumps. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Welcome back to Stumps. Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain with you. We are in the very middle now of the BBL09 final series and we already know which uh, one team will be in the final come next weekend. It is the Sydney Sixers after they I think Bryce, fair to say, humiliated the Melbourne Stars uh, on the weekend in what is the Melbourne Stars' lowest ever score at the MCG. It's uh, starting to haunt the Melbourne Stars again. They're, they're 
their shaky finals run. But we'll forget about that for a second because the Sydney Sixers were the team who got the win yesterday by 43 runs. And Jordan Silk was a part of that, part of the Sydney Sixers middle order. And he joins us here on Stumps. Jordan, congratulations. Welcome to the show. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. What uh, what was the key yesterday to uh, to unlocking the Melbourne Stars, who have been pretty difficult to unlock for most of the season, right up until the end? But how did you do it on the MCG yesterday? Oh, look, I think, um, firstly, I just have to pay enormous credit to the way we bowled last night and, and also credit to, to how the Stars bowled. I thought they were you know, both teams on the night. I think bowling was certainly the winner um, on what proved to be, I thought, a, a pretty good surface you know, for batting even. So, um, yeah, I think that was obviously, we just probably did it a little bit better than what they did. So um, that's probably the enough of it, really. So, um, yeah, couldn't be happy with, with how the result ended up. Jordan, congratulations. Bryce McGain here. Um, uh, one of the challenges, I suppose, you mentioned the bowling there. Adam Zampa was a, a key player coming back from Australian duties, three for 21. And you had to come across him, the the, the Sixers batting lineup, but... You ended up with a score of 140. What was the feeling? You were batting at the time. You got a handy 25 off 21 balls to finish off the innings. But as you walked off, you had a bit of a concerned look on your own head as as you went to the sheds. Um, was everyone just a bit worried whether it was enough runs? Yeah, certainly. I think um, obviously our innings sort of you know it started quite well and it just sort of fell away through the middle. And it was probably just a bit of personal frustration too and not being able to find the middle of that. Um, on what I thought was actually a pretty good wicket. So I guess it was concerned. Just, um, you know, you'd, you'd love to post totals up around that 150, 160 plus mark and sort of being below that, um, knew that we were sort of going to be on the back foot with the ball straight up. But um turns out that, you know, it, you know 140 was, was more than enough in the end, um, just thanks to, you know, a huge bowling performance. So, But yeah, there was certainly concern. I was just frustrated I couldn't find the middle of that, to be honest. And, couldn't get a boundary away in those last couple of overs, which would have sort of got us up around that 150. But, yeah, like I said, um, thankfully, um, it didn't matter too much in the end. Well, when, when you talk about bowling lineups, they probably don't get much stronger than what you've got at the Sixers. You've got Josh Hazelwood rolling back in nicely, Nathan Lyon, Ben Dorcious, Abbott, O'Keefe. There's some real firepower. You've got Curran as well. Um, yeah. You know, it's been an incredible part of the the way you've been consistently performing, um, particularly in the latter half of the the Big Bash series. Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, you know, obviously losing Tommy Cummins is a bit of a loss for us. Um, yeah. He obviously provides a fair bit with that as well. Um, but to sort of bring someone in like Sean Abbott, the timing's just been spot on, really, with his injury. So to get him back last night, and, you know, great to sort of see him fire in, fire in with a couple of wickets towards the end as well. So that'll do his confidence. Um, the world of good. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's awesome, you know, being in the field and, you know, fielding to these types of bowlers. We've just got so much sort of experience, I guess, in maybe not as much in T20 cricket, but, you know, just in terms of, you know, high-level high, high level cricket. You know, these guys have been performers for, for years. So, you know, to jump in on the back of people like Hazelwood and uh, Lyon and O'Keefe, guys who have been doing it for a long time now, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, and it was really highlighted, I guess, last night. Um, with that bowling performance. Well, Sock was really key to it because he's bowling some tough overs early on in the innings and then also um, throughout the middle. But uh, it's his... Oh, the, the way I look at it, it's just his experience, his knowledge, his yeah. wily um, craftiness. Um, yeah. he, he must be amazing 
well, he must be hard to hit around in the nets and, and get your eye in against him, but uh, he, he's a real key to that, that bowling lineup. Yeah, he's been enormous for us the last you know, few games now. He, was obviously, he obviously missed a fair chunk of the season due to a little calf niggle that he's had going on, but yeah, since he's come back, um, you know, he's been terrific, sort of consistently going for that, you know, 20 to 24 runs off his four overs and like you said, bowling the tough, the tough ones as well. And, I'm not sure. It looked incredibly slow last night. I think he took even more air out of the ball. Um, you know, but that was just summing up the conditions. I think he's just so good at that. He's obviously got so much experience now. And um, yeah, I thought his performance last night, and then obviously getting the key wicket of, of Maxwell there, just to sort of really put them to bed, was um, yeah, it was huge. So yeah, he's been he's been a terrific performer for us for yeah, a lot of years now. Jordan, what were the conditions like at, at the MCG yesterday? It was a, a warm day. Uh, in Melbourne, did you was it a different battle? Because if you compare the the scores to when you last played the Stars, um, it was you guys made the pretty much exact same score about one forty mid one forties, uh, yeah. and again you won that via Duckworth Lewis method in the uh, in the rain, um, but you put a similar score up and you um, and you defended it, um, but different conditions at a bigger ground. The MCG, what was how much did you take from your previous meeting, and and what changed when you had to go to a warm G? Yeah, it was obviously very hot um, even the day before when we trained. So uh, the conditions were slightly odd last night. It got really windy actually during you know the first half of our batting innings, and then I think by the time I walked off at the end of the innings, it was dead still. So conditions had sort of changed a little bit um, during the course of the night. But yeah, like you said, that it was a you know completely different fixture, I guess, to the one that we played at the SCG where it was I think fourteen overs a side and both teams going about ten and over. So. Um, yeah, last night was a bit more of a scrap, and I thought the bowlers were, you know, from both sides were terrific in how they assessed the conditions. There was a lot of, you know, off pace into the wicket, um, and just making the batters try and hit square as much as possible. Obviously, playing the dimensions well there, the, the two big square sides. So um, I thought both teams were were excellent at that. And we're, luckily enough, I think the difference really was just the, the three early wickets in that power play. Um, we actually had a steady power play. I think we were probably about forty five, but we hadn't lost a wicket, so we had a really good base. Whereas the um, you know, obviously the key for us to winning that game last night was going to be how how well we bowled in that power play, and um, to have them three for thirty five, I think at the end of that was was probably where the game was won. Jordan, you sound like Greg Shippard here, summing up the game at the end of the day and on the whiteboard. <laughs> you you've summarised it beautifully. Um, what's it like working with the uh, Australian cricket Yoda? What's it like to have him as a coach? Yeah, uh, he's fantastic. Um, you know, obviously. I've, you would have obviously dealt a lot with him over the years, Bryce. And, um, you bet. Uh, yeah, being um, sort of being involved with him over sort of an eight-week period every year, is, um, it's really nice, actually. It's a, it's a good sort of freshen up for me. Obviously, um played in state cricket down in Tassie, so to, to come away and work with um, with Shippy, and um, I, I love the language, you know. It's just the way he sort of talks. And, um, you know, it's different every day with Shippy. Like, there's, there's new messages and... Um, all these things on the board, and it's, it's fantastic to be a part of. Um, really engaging sort of conversations that we have throughout the throughout the tournament. And, um, yeah, he, obviously his experience is you know huge for for our group, and um, yeah, obviously him and him and Moses uh, they work you know incredibly well together. So it's yeah, it's a, it's a really great environment that he's been able to create up here for you know, a number of years now. And, yeah, I've, I've really got to enjoy playing under him. 
How does he communicate, Jordan? And maybe Bryce can elaborate <laughs> on this as well. Does he? Is it? Is it cryptic? Is it sometimes hard to yeah. follow, or is he? Is it? Is it in codes? You have to decipher things. Can, yeah, a little bit cryptic. Uh, I remember we had one meeting actually before our last uh, MCG where he was doing a crossword, and you had to guess the clues, and then the clues were related to certain players. So it was just <laughs> a way of mixing it up. Um, but I used to teach it by trade, so there's a lot of. Um, yeah, a lot of whiteboard messages, but it all sort of, you know, relates back to some really simple key messages of T20 cricket. And, you know, that's staying fresh, being focused, having fun. He has a lot of F words. Superly writes up on the board. So uh, being forensic as well about the opposition. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's he's just been terrific, I think, to work with. And, you know, his composure this year has um, certainly been noticed. And, you know, to, to take us to sort of back-to-back final series, um, you yeah, know, hopefully going... Going on to win one would be um, would be huge, and you know I'd be I'd be absolutely wrapped for him as well. Does that sound familiar, Bryce? It does indeed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forensic about the opposition. I'm interested in that part because it looked like you just picked apart the stars. Yeah. Um, and, and you bowled exactly where they don't want the ball bowled to them. So, yep. for instance, you know I touched on Steve O'Keefe and his experience, but he was bowling slow and wide. So all yeah. they can really do is try and hit over the offside or hit through the offside where you had good protection on good angles, uh, that would have been clearly a tactic as well as that, that forensic analysis of the opposition? Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, and sort of Moses being in on those sort of meetings with bowlers and um, obviously plenty of experience going around within the bowling group, but then you've got Andre Adams who sits in on those yep. as our bowling coach. And there's, um, there's plenty of information that goes around and you know we've, you obviously get a good chance to look at teams as well throughout the tournament and you know, with the fourteen game season and you play every team twice. So we'd you know, we'd obviously had, you know, two earlier games against the staff to sort of come up with what we thought was, was gonna work well on, on the, in those conditions. Um, and we and yeah, well just did it, we just did it perfectly last night. We you know, we executed brilliantly. I thought the quicks and the way they bowled even just into the wicket and off pace and it was just um yeah, it was really good to watch. Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, how does it go for now? You've, you, the, the final's coming up. You've got a bit of time to put your feet yep. up. Do you watch all the other games, gather information as players, or do you leave that to the experts and just chill out and have some time to yourselves? Yeah, it's very individual, that one. I think um, you know, I'll, certainly, I'll certainly be watching um, with a lot of interest. and uh, Yeah, try and pick up on a few things. You know, keep being forensic, like Shibby said. So I'll be, um, yeah, I'll be probably glued to the telly tonight, I dare say, watching that that game at the Adelaide Oval and then I guess again on, on Thursday. But um, yeah, again, it's, gonna, it's just going to be a, a new battle, I guess, come Saturday for us. And um, you know, whoever we sort of come up against, uh, you know, we'll be well prepared for. So yeah, exciting, a really exciting week ahead. And um, you know, I just can't, yeah, almost can't believe we're playing a, a home final at SCD. So yeah, it's going to be something pretty special. Jordan, out of the, the three teams that remain, is there one that you would, yeah. that you would like to face uh, more than more yeah. than another, is there a team that you'd like to try and pick apart in a, in a final? Oh, it's the Thunder, isn't it? I think <laughs> it'd be a derby, it'd be a derby final. I think that's uh, that's what I'll be hoping for. Um, and a packed out SCG, so they're they're, uh, they're one team I think um, we'd like to come up against. Um, you know, you know, I guess all the teams at this end of the competition are, are high quality, so um, it's hard to sort of put a a team that you want to play. Um, I think Adelaide are an incredibly strong side. Um, I expect the Melbourne Stars to bounce back next Thursday as, um, against whoever they come up against as well. So, oh, it's 
it's tough, but you know, something there'd be something pretty special about playing a, a mm. derby final. I think you're right. Um, it, it, the the Melbourne teams did it last year, and it was, it was certainly a final to remember. It was an absolute cracker, yeah. and uh, it, it probably showed the vulnerability of the Stars last year, and you were able to expose that a bit last last night as well. Um, one final thing before we do let you go. In terms of your form and getting some continuity, you haven't had a bat. You've only batted a couple of times in the last six games because the top order is doing the job and your role in the middle order isn't um, exposed too often. How do you prepare yourself around that without that steady um, out-in-the-middle um, batting performances? Yeah, it's, it can be a challenge, certainly. Um, I guess uh, my focus has maybe changed a little bit in the net since I've sort of dropped from five down to six. Um, with Smith coming back, that I'm actually putting a really high emphasis on sort of my first 10 or 20 balls in the net. Yep. Um, so that's uh, that's sort of how my training's changed a little bit, and just trying to be you know super aggressive, I guess, in the nets. And um, but then I guess there's still chances where I where I could come in earlier and and uh, you know have to sort of play the situation sort of a little bit like last night. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, it's certainly changed a little bit through through the course of the competition, and yeah, have have probably struggled for continuity in the middle, like you said. But um, I still feel comfortable with how I'm going, um, and comfortable that I can certainly do a job for the team batting at six. And um, you know, I think we've we've spoken about it. You know, we've obviously batted very well over the last six games, and but there's you know there's probably always going to be a time where you know someone else might have to stand up, and you know, although I wouldn't love it to be me, and you know, we're batting brilliantly, then um, you know, if that if that sort of chance comes, and you know, I want to stand up and and take it. So, um, but yeah, feeling feeling comfortable enough with with how I'm going for sure. Jordan, it's uh, been a pleasure talking to you. It's uh, it was a great win from from your boys last night, the Sydney Sixers. It's probably the biggest uh, break you'll have in this Big Bash season with a week now until the final. But good luck with uh, with it, and whoever you do face, I hope all the best for you. Uh, cheers. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. Go well, Jordan. Thank you. Jordan Silk from the Sydney Sixers here on Stumps. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Welcome back to Stumps. Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain. There is cricket happening elsewhere around the globe as well over in South Africa. The Under-19 Cricket World Cup. Bryce, we are into the, now let me clarify this, the Super League semifinals, which differs from the Super League playoff semifinals, which is where the Aussies are. Difference is between the regulation semifinals and the playoff semifinals is that the playoff semifinals are for the lower ranked teams who have lost, which unfortunately is the case for Australia. They lost to India earlier in the week. Uh, got to be fair, got humiliated at the start of the innings. They were three down in the first over, four for seventeen after two and a half overs, and into the playoff semifinals now against Afghanistan for the lower ranked teams. Bit of an unfortunate way for the Aussies to get bundled out of this uh, under 19s Cricket World Cup. It certainly is. Yeah, they're playing off for the the fifth place playoff. Uh, Correct. Yeah, the under nineteen. Yeah, the under nineteen World Cup is. Uh, well, everyone gets an opportunity to play some more games, so they they are really uh, dead rubbers. Uh, the the semi finals in the the real tournament, mm-hmm. India play Pakistan. Can there be a bigger Ooh. game than that in the world? I don't. Yeah. Not sure it can be. Even at under nineteen level, that'll be as fiery as anything. Bangladesh playing New Zealand. Uh, in the other semi-finals, so what what this shows is a, a bit of a snapshot to the future. Uh, who are those countries that are uh, are performing? Maybe in in two or three years' time, those players will be filtering up into their their senior group. It's certainly one or two of them will be, and uh, so it's good to see New Zealand. 
they they never cease to amaze. They they the way that they play their cricket, they they just c- came over the West Indies um, and and defeated them. One of the players from the West Indies was coming off. He was cramping, so just, just defeated the West Indies. Yeah, well, they just like, got over the line. Yeah, two but balls. Yeah, they they carried him off. The yeah. New Zealand players carried him off. They congratulated him. He, he scored ninety nine and was out off the last ball, and they carried him off the ground. They literally just nursed him off the ground in incredible display of sportsmanship, which goes to show it's happening at the very top in New Zealand cricket, but it's happening at the the next generation as well. Credit to them. They keep batting uh, above their their weight division, I suppose. Um, Punching above their weight division, I suppose, is a better way to put it. And uh, look, the credit to them. They're, they're in that semi-final. Just to go off tangent for a little bit, mm. if you think back to the, I think it was the Rio Olympics, remember the track and field, there was like a 400 metre or steeplechase event where one of the competitors fell over. And I think it was a New Zealander who went back to help her up or there was a New Zealander involved in that as well. So it seems to be spread around. Instead of finishing the race, one of the competitors went back and actually helped up the fallen uh, athletes, so it's spread in all sports in New Zealand. So Absolutely, well, well done to them. Well, it is, and the, the All Blacks set an incredible standard. There's been books about the way to behave and how to look after each other, and a, mm-hmm. a team orientated perspective. And New Zealand are doing that right across the board. So, look, the Australians are very disappointing under 19 World Cup. There's high expectations of the group going over. Some of them have had experience at uh, first class level. And uh, and certainly a big bash level around for their different franchises, but uh, an underwhelming performance by Australia. Why is what's that down to? Well, I think a combination of of things. I think largely they don't get to play any games together. They they just simply don't get to play enough competitive cricket together. Most of these players are playing premier cricket and, and doing pretty well, of course, um, at, at at different times. But that's fundamentally where they're playing. They're they're in squads for big bash leagues, um, but they're not necessarily playing many games. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, and occasionally, they're certainly in state squads. There's no doubt about that. They've, a number of them have rookie contracts, and they're training with state squads, but they're not really playing first-class cricket. So it's premier cricket where they're getting it. What certainly they need to be able to do is, is Cricket Australia is provide some game opportunities for these these players. And I think the best time to do it, um, because of the, the Australian continent, you can play up in Darwin, you can play in Townsville, Cairns, anywhere up there in the middle of the year in June, July. And having just a tri-series or a four-team series, mm-hmm. it might be helping out the other um, the other nations, say maybe a New Zealand and a South Africa, because of, uh, I guess, at the time of year, um, the conditions in those countries would be not good. So having them play and create and create opportunities for them. But the Australians just need to play more cricket. It's as simple as that and the, at that underage level. So I think that's got to be a real focus for Cricket Australia moving forward is that, uh, that there's tons of funds going into high performance, but these uh, the, these players just aren't um, getting enough of the opportunity to have some game practice. They're certainly getting a lot of good coaching around them up at the centre of excellence. There's no doubt about that, but they need to play some more games. On top of that as well, so let's so part of this, um, let's say there's if we were to put our Cricket Australia administrators hats on and mm. pretend to be them and say let's reform the under-19s and give them more games and let them play against other under-19s nations, in addition to that, is there too big of a too big of a gap between under nineteens and upper age players? I feel like in a lot of other sports, you get national youth teams that go right through until about early twenties. Yes. So under nine, under <clears throat> under seventeens, under nineteens, twenty, twenty one, twenty three. Is there too big of a split between 
under-19 cricket and then basically moving up to senior cricket. Well, there certainly is. And what tends to happen is the state under-19 players, even when they go back to premier cricket, they, they become 19, 20 and they're out of that age group. Mm. It, it's hard. It's difficult to, to transition and then perform at the very top level. Certainly at the state level, there, there are only a handful that, that consistently do it and perform well. A few get the opportunity, but uh, to, to perform well there. And even some struggle when they go back to premier cricket uh, in their early 20s to, to really transform from that that underage cricket where they're playing against other that to open age cricket so there is quite a gap there and it, it has been a consideration I know that the second 11 has predominantly been an a, they call it a futures league now yeah. so it is an under 23 competition largely uh, where they do play some older players now it's not quite as strict as that but it had been for a number of years so that that there are mechanisms in place that they're trying to do to to make it easier and transform and keep that development going through. But there's been plenty happening at this World Cup. I can assure you, there has there has been. Let's uh, well, one of the more controversial moments happened recently. Oh no! I think the non-striker Pereira was out of his crease. Yeah, he's well out of his crease. Just waltzed away. And Herrera, well, he'll have to go. Dozy cricket from him. <laughs> so that was courtesy of the YouTube channel and the host broadcaster. Um, that was Afghanistan and Pakistan. Uh, a man cad from the, uh, from the Afghan bowler to, uh, to Herrera, who was uh, leading on 64 runs at that time. From Pakistan, Mancad in the Under Nineteen World Cup, so they're pulling out all the stops, even at lower age. Yeah, dozy cricket indeed. <laughs> what a quote! Yeah, it was. It's a beauty. I, I like that. And uh, many people sort of go, "Is that in the spirit of the game? Should they be doing a Mancad? Is that right? Is it wrong? Just don't walk out of your crease. Don't take a little advantage. And it doesn't yeah. look like he's he's bolting out of there. But you're, you're out of your crease. It's like a stumping. It's like anything else. Um, you've got to go about it the right way. And he, it was it was definitely. Dozy cricket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have a problem with Mancad. No. I don't have a problem. Spirit of the game, okay, sure, sportsmanship should be present in every sport. But, you know, if it's not written explicitly in the rules, you can do it. It's like to, to, to pluck from the uh, from the spirit of the season in tennis, the underarm serve. There's nothing saying you can't do it. It's like if you can do it, do it. Same with Mancad. Nothing says you can't do it. So if you can do it, do it. Yeah, exactly. And there's no need to warn them or all that in the – in the follow-up on the on the um, social media was often about, oh, did he warn him? Did he say that don't do that? Well, you're not going to warn them. Say, look, be careful. I might bowl this ball and get you caught at fine league. What, you don't the, warn them how you're going to get them out. Wait, the, the bowl has to warn the non-striker. Yeah, so it, it's part of the spirit of cricket back in the day. They would sort of say, hey, you know, that's your warning. You do it again. They'll sort of go, stand there with the ball near the stumps and the players out. There's your warning. We'll, we'll get you out next time. Like, that's not well, how you win cricket matches. No, well, certainly not the way <laughs> Afghanistan uh, wanted to knock over the Pakistanis. Didn't help them, though. Pakistan got through and they, they ended up defeating them and they're through to that semi-final. More controversy as well. More mm-hmm. controversy. And Fr- um, Fraser McGurk, Jake Fraser McGurk, he, he oh, debuted yeah. for Victoria. Um, he, he put a post up. Now, this is uh, on social media. He put a post up um, just around looking forward to the quarterfinal. And then um, the... the Possibly some sanctions for some of the other Australian players, some of his teammates, were seemingly mocking or ridiculing non-native speaking uh, uh, people um, by 
put posting following underneath that um, in a derogatory way. So there might be some sanctions for some of those players as they return back home to Australia. But Fraser McGurk, does it get any worse? He, in that quarterfinal, he was out for a diamond duck in that first over. You mentioned that they lost three wickets in that first over. Yep. First ball out for a diamond duck. After that, they went to a um, a nature reserve. He's been scratched by a monkey, so he won't play in the fifth-place playoff. He's already come home. He's out scratched by a monkey. Wow. Retired, scratched by monkey. <laughs> That's exactly what's happened. So he's flown back home, obviously, for treatment for this scratch, and obviously infections oh, are concern wow. and all that. Um, so he, he's missing that final game in the tournament, the fifth-place playoff, after being scratched by a monkey. <laughs> that comes with some very, very odd reasons for not playing in cricket matches. And there's a whole series of them. If you're prepared to look them up on the internet, there's a lot of them. This is Stumps, Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain. We'll come back after this and wrap things up from the cricketing world. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Wrapping things up on Stumps. Bryce, the uh, the Women's T20 World Cup, you mentioned it off the top of the program, not far away now, a few weeks away at the end of uh, De- uh, end of February, I should say, um, and the uh, Tri-Series has uh, begun. Yesterday, we saw India and England, and now Australia getting involved as well, their first um, uh, match on at the moment. What are we making of this squad? And Annabelle Sutherland given a... Given a, a shirt as well, given a cap for the uh, for the Aussie Aussie uh, Aussie T Twenty team, I should say. Yeah, and I think that's important that she gets some experience leading into the World Cup. You don't want her first first game to be actually in a World Cup. Give her plenty of yeah. opportunity through this tri series. Uh, there's a series that'll be happening in Canberra. There's another one following up uh, at the Junction Oval in Melbourne. So th- there's plenty of opportunity uh, for uh, the, I, I guess the, the the team to really find some form. They're off the back of uh, a really good. Um, Big Bash League. They had their own standalone with October, November. So the girls are in terrific form. Australia really are going to be hard to beat in this. Um, that They have well-performed players. And uh, to Annabelle Sutherland, congratulations to her and a number of the Victorian players uh, coming through doing exceptional stuff. Um, credit to David Hemp, the yep. Victorian coach and the coach of the Melbourne Stars as well in the Big Bash. He's producing uh, lots and lots of good players. A lot of those English women familiar with uh, Australian conditions as well, given... They all, most of them played in the WBBL too, so they didn't have to uh, travel too far or be out of the country for too long before they returned for the uh, for the World Cup. Uh, New Zealand during the week, uh, going back to the men's game, crueled by another super over result. Yeah, little T20 series. Uh, this is the final T20 game. India have won them all and they ended up winning this one as well. They, they went to a super over once again and... That's not really New Zealand's forte, although I think they were incredibly <laughs> stiff in the World Cup final. I think they oh, should yeah. have won it. Um, a ridiculous rule, but uh, I guess they knew that at the start. But uh, again, got done in the uh, in the, the, the final T20 there. Um, they needed 11 off two balls, India, and uh, Rohit Sharma, six, six, job done. Wrap it up. That's how we were, That's how they work. So it was uh, it was all sorted out there. Um, the final part, there's a big game coming up, the Bush Bush. Fire Bash, it's been called. A T10 game between a Warn 11 and a Ponting 11 and all the stars of Australian cricket, uh, female and male, uh, have been playing in that. The coaches will be Sachin Tendulkar and Courtney Walsh uh, and just star-studded list of, of players yeah. leading in. Now, that's played next Saturday prior to the Big Bash final. So that's your pre-match entertainment. Which I like. That's good pre-match entertainment. No one cares about these unknown artists and... You know, you've got 
60, 70 year old men in the crowd listening to, uh, you know, some new age dance music. Put, put people are there to watch cricket, put a cricket match for a bit of fun on beforehand. People will appreciate that. And it's, as you, as you allude to, it's all the, uh, all the big stars, good mix of, uh, of males, females and non cricket players as well. Nick Rewalt's going to play, um, uh, and a couple of others too. So I, I like that as a pre-match entertainment idea. I think it's good. Nick Rewalt, not a bad left arm quick, actually big, yeah. tall left arm quick and belts the ball right hand. He's a, he's not a bad cricketer at all. I played with him media 11 a couple of weeks ago. So all the best to him, um, taking on the, the very best of Australian, uh, well, cricketers and and uh, legendary players. So that's going to be a great uh, leading to what will be and shape up to be a huge Big Bash final. Excellent stuff, Bryce. This time next week, we'll be uh, right in the middle of the Big Bash final. We'll be able to preview the Big Bash final next week on Stumps. I'll see you then. Looking forward to that. That's Stumps.